0: This episode of Podplay contains frequent course language and adult themes. Welcome to Podplay, a Theatre Republic production. This week we present Little Borders by Philip Kavanagh, featuring Eleanor Karapetis and Rory Walker. Each week we'll hand the microphone over to the playwrights themselves so that they can give us an insight into the writing of the piece. And now here is Philip to tell us all about the writing of Little Borders. Little Borders is a satire on fear. It looks at a couple who are so terrified of everything in the world that they move into a gated community to try to get some sort of reprieve from having to deal with everything they perceive as a threat, which is basically everything that isn't them. And it kind of goes darker and darker into the extremes that these characters will go to protect themselves, even when they are not necessarily under threat in any way. Uh, It is a satirical allegory that looks at border panic and self-justification for violence, and it is also in amongst all that kind of silly and grotesque and looks at the dark underside of Australian suburbia. It was my first full-length play, and I wrote it maybe 10 years ago in 2010, 2011, and in amongst all that I have changed a lot as a writer, but I look back on this as being incredibly important for the kinds of explorations of ideas and form and tone and and comedy that would charge a lot of the work that I did, kind of all the work that I did, off the back of this. And thank you to Theatre Republic for uh, investing in this production and for Eleanor and Rory coming on board to play these two really Grotesque manifestations of the worst parts of what it means to be Australian.
1: won't regret it. Not once. If you approve us, you'll never say to yourself... What were we thinking? What were we thinking? Not
2: once. We both work.
1: He works. You work. I work from home.
2: She makes jewellery. It's all sold online. Fantastic jewellery. I wouldn't dream of selling door-to-door. Chains and beads. I don't use beads. I've seen you use beads. Beads are cheap. What was that red one? Tacky. That had beads. I
1: do gems. I'm sure that had... Semi-precious stones and metals. Up market,
2: really stylish. It definitely Steve had...
1: works in advertising.
2: I'm a creative.
1: He came up with that ad for Samson Mattresses.
2: A good night's rest for you and every member of your family.
1: <laughs> Brilliant.
2: They mostly played the cut-down version...
1: I had to have Steve explain it to me. If
2: you'd seen the full-length version, it would have made more sense.
1: But it is brilliant.
2: They butchered it to nothing. Those
1: midget Sherpas are so moving. Steve's incredibly intelligent. He has a master's degree. I do. In history and politics.
2: Stalinist Russia.
1: Well, Not that we're... No. We're not.
2: No. I'm all for small government. The smaller the better. I want to make my own decisions. And she takes her time making them.
1: I'm not sure about that.
2: She took two and a half hours to decide what to wear today.
1: Not that my other options weren't as stylish as this one.
2: She always looks stylish.
1: I pride myself on my sense of style. I'm also an accomplished pianist.
2: She's bloody good.
1: I'm very good. She is. Not to sound boastful.
2: Uh, She'd never dream of boasting, but she is good. I've got two left hands myself.
1: But a good ear, he'd know if I was bad.
2: I would. And he'd tell you. I'm very honest like that. And I'm not. She's not honest. I'm not bad. I'm good, aren't I? Very good. She practices every day. Softly. Not always. I
1: always practice softly. Pianissimo. Piano on the rare occasion. But only if absolutely necessary. Correct
2: man i, I for... stop.
1: I'll stop playing entirely. Stop. If that's what you want. Why stop? The important thing is I can. I'll play for you once, then stop. The ability itself shows a sense of focus and discipline, of cultural sophistication.
2: You wouldn't stop.
1: I would. If you wanted me to, I would.
2: I think she's having you I'll on. I'll cut
1: off my hands. If that's what it takes to prove to you, I'll cut off... My hands, just say the word and they're gone. Love. Please. We're not safe there. I can't sleep at night. The bombs, the bombs are...
2: El, we don't have to do this.
1: I keep waking up at night to the sound of bombs. I wake up dripping with sweat. I can't sleep now because I'm liquid and liquid doesn't sleep. So I tip the bed over and pour myself to the window... And I see our next door neighbor. Muhammad. Ahmed. You don't know that. We don't know his name. We just like to pretend. I'm floating there in front of the window. And he's there. Muhammad. Or. Ahmed, yes. And he's there. And he's tinkering with his car. At 1 a.m. Tinkering with his car at 1 a.m. Our streets getting darker.
2: One house at a time. Straight
1: off the boat and into a two-bedroom townhouse. We used to joke when Muhammad first moved in. Ahmed. Imagine if that little house became a terrorist cell. <laughs> we we used to call it the terrorist single cell.
2: If you'd seen the house, you'd understand. Tiny. Really tiny. So
1: you can imagine.
2: Terrorists planning anything in there. It'd
1: be like Russian clowns in a V-dub planning the October Revolution.
2: Uh, German clowns. Russian. V-dubs are German.
1: What are German clowns doing in Russia?
2: Uh, what's a 1930s car doing in 1917?
1: Muhammad and his wife have a couple of friends over every Thursday night.
2: Sort of like a prayer group. They sing loudly. We're talking till the early hours here.
1: Sets off every dog in the neighbourhood.
2: So one Thursday night... Jokingly. We started joining in. Singing Arabic. But not actually Arabic. No, not actually Arabic. Because we don't actually speak. Let alone sing. It was just this sort of almost Arabic. We were singing in this just sort of almost Arabic. It was quite funny.
1: (laughs) It was quite funny. Just a joke, really. Just between us. Only... Paper-thin walls.
2: We think they might have... I went to get the mail the next morning. I'm at the letterbox and Ahmed's there at his. I nodded to him, real friendly. Didn't have to, but just wanted to show, you know, that's what Aussies do. We take the piss. But he didn't nod back. Just took his mail inside and slammed the door. Please. Please let us in. We will pay
1: above asking price. We're not safe there. We need walls. We need guards with the tinkering and the staring. I can't help but think. Slam. What are those meetings about? What do those songs mean? Not. I wish I did. I wish I did speak Arabic. Slam. We just want to feel safe again. Mm. At first, I thought I was imagining it. The night we moved in, I told myself it's not there. But I could definitely hear something. Only it wasn't. Even here within the walls of our estate, I still can't sleep. I've had a total of six hours this week. A total of six. Not six a night, six over seven nights. That's not healthy. Tossing and turning. A bark pulls me upright in bed. Another throws me to my feet. Yips and yaps push one foot in front of the other. I'm staring at the bookshelf and a sharp ruff extends and retracts my arm. The community bylaws. All 600 pages. I should go straight to the index, but I'm incapable of skipping ahead. If I start a book, I have to read it cover to cover. Even with reference books, I'm worried I'll miss some important detail if I skim over even a single line... I'm absolutely terrified of dictionaries. I'm poring over the rules, knowing what I'm searching for, but still keeping my eyes out for tiny details. I turn each page faster and faster, the bylaws transforming into a nail-biting legal thriller. I almost forget what it is I'm looking for until... A yap. The word pets. A yap. No dogs. Cats. Confined to the house, yes, but no dogs. And yet I can hear this yapping, this constant, never-ending yapping. It's the middle of the night and I should just ignore it and go back to bed. Collapse into Steve's arms and be like him, sleeping through the noise, blissfully unconscious. Asleep on that bloody, bloody mattress. And I know if he can do it, I should be able to. Just stick in earplugs, maybe, or maybe put on a CD of Whales on Heat. But I find myself leaving the house, in my dressing gown and slippers, drawn to each bark like it's someone calling my name. (whistles) The house, two doors down. A townhouse like ours, slightly garish but not tacky. Tack is prohibited within the walls. I almost knock at the front door. Mahogany Isabella. But just, you know, to test, I suppose. I grip the doorknob, brass tulip schlage, and turn. It opens. Yes, so it should. There's a trust here. I can walk out of my house in the middle of the night in my dressing gown and slippers and trust that I won't get mugged, won't get beaten, won't get raped. Trust is a beautiful thing. You are my neighbour. You are me, I am you, we are one. (laughs) I don't need to knock. I step into the doorway, white tiled entrance hall and slip out of my slippers to feel the cold tiles against my feet. I take off my dressing gown, place it on the coat rack and move into the lounge room where they have the same sofa as us. Exactly the same. Same model, same colour, same depression on the left-hand side. This is my sofa. The same sofa Steve and I picked out together. I lean back slowly, my body falls into the contours of the seat, shag carpet creeping up the gaps between my toes like sand on a beach. I'm still holding the bylaws. I never put them down. I noticed the coffee table, an original Sean Dix, like ours, except that it's not. It's bare. I need to place the bylaws on the table just to have something there, to fill that horrible blank space. A growl. Something is standing in the room, growling at me. I remember why I'm here. I expected a chihuahua. Pomeranian fox terrier, not something so big. This dog, this illegal animal smuggled into our estate, this beast, this monster. I back away to the coat rack and almost leave, but this beast, this monster is just staring at me. Just standing there, panting, wheezing, his tongue hanging out as he huffs in and out like he's enjoying watching me, enjoying my panic and I'm shaking and I'm holding the bylaws and I'm gripping them and he's panting and he's wheezing and he's laughing and I swing the book hard into his skull. Crack! (gasps) And again. Crack! 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 (sighs) He's lying there. Gasping now, but I can still hear laughter. It's coming from me. I'm laughing at him, and I feel a sense of of, of, of victory. (laughs) Oh, of hysterical joy. (laughs) Oh, I can't stop laughing. My whole body is convulsing with laughter. hear the stairs creak. I'm frozen, holding the bylaws over my head while the dog lies bleeding in front of me. A woman is standing at the top of the stairs, staring. Not at me, not at the dog, just staring. Who's there? Peter, come. Just staring. Her eyes are dead. She has dead eyes. I drop the book and her ears turn her face to me. Who's there? Come, Peter, come. Don't move. Don't move, whoever you are. I've sounded an alarm. A guard will be here any second. She's bluffing. I know that she's bluffing. I need to not be here. I'm sorry. I whispered the words so softly, I'm not sure if I say them or just think them, but either way, she knows. Her face changes. Her features crumple and compress. Peter? She moves down the stairs towards me fumbling towards me, reaching for the banister, and I can't move. I'm frozen, and I watch her fumbling, reaching, her foot slips. She topples down the stairs. Her head hits the white tiles with a crack. Red tiles. Her eyes dead. I grab the book, my slippers, my gown and I run. I run back home, back to my seat, open the bylaws and race to the same section. Yes, pets. No dogs. No dogs. Wait, what? Except in the case of assistance animals for people with disabilities. That wasn't there before. There were no clauses. Cats, yes. Dogs, no. No dogs. I'm certain I checked. (sighs) I shouldn't be up. I should be in bed. I need to be asleep. But first, lock the door.
2: When Harry first came to me, I thought, you have got to be joking. He had an ad made, shot cheap so he could pay for more airtime. But it was just embarrassing. This stenciled logo for Samson mattresses, cut to Harry himself, struggling to walk and talk at the same time while he stiffly gestures to the mattresses in his showroom, carefully enunciating each word like he's learnt them all phonetically. He came to me desperate for someone with vision to spearhead a new campaign. The midget Sherpa idea came to me in a dream, And I wrote the whole thing in an evening. The cut-down nonsense Harry actually aired had no sense of the story I'd written. None of the character motivation, the love triangle gone completely. Just Mount Everest, mattress, dancing midget Sherpas, sleeping midget Sherpas. A good night's rest for you and every member of your family. But it got people talking, got his name out there. Six months later, I was meeting with Harry to talk about my idea for a new ad. I was walking him through the storyboard. I reached the last frame. He broke down in tears. The others in the room turned to me awkwardly, not sure what they were supposed to do. I waved them out of the room and they almost ran to the door in relief. I poured Harry a glass of water and he took it, sipping slowly, his hand shaking. There was blood on his left hand. Just a tiny fleck. I didn't notice till he wiped a drop of water from his bottom lip and streaked red across his chin. I fucked up, he cried. I've really fucked up. And then he told me. He told me what he did. I don't know if he realised he was doing it. Maybe he was just caught in a soliloquy and I just happened to be in the audience. When I got home that night, Elle was sitting in the lounge room watching TV. Surrounded by half-unpacked boxes, she smiled at me as I walked through the door and I felt a tightness in my chest, knowing what Harry had done and wondering if I could ever... I slid onto the couch next to her and pulled her towards me. She clung to my shoulder and just held me. We didn't say a word. We just held each other. I should have turned off the TV. I should have crawled into bed and shut myself off from the world. But I had to. I just... Had to just for a second. I just had to flick over to News Twenty Four to hear it for myself. Earlier today, the wife and children of Harry Sampson, owner of Sampson Mattresses, a good night's rest for you and every member of your family, were found bludgeoned to death in their beds. I kept waiting for the punchline. Looks like this family will finally be getting a good night's rest. Something, but there was just this deadpan. Back to you in the studio. The next day, the phone didn't stop ringing. Clients wanting to pull their campaigns with us. For unrelated reasons, we were no longer the right fit. By two o'clock, Harry was the only account we had left. You'd think... I mean, you would think if he'd been at all concerned about his business, he would have cut the brakes of his wife's car or taken them out to the park and strangled them with a skipping rope. But in their beds... He'd made it so every person who sleeps on a Samson mattress feels like they're sleeping on one of those mattresses, like they're lying in a pool of his family's blood. But I could fix it. I could find the right spin so people would look past that, focus on the spring support technology and the superior stitch work that would last twice as long as the stitch work from a leading competitor. But no matter what angle I came up with, I was still hampered by the fact that when people think of Harry Samson... They think of his family, lying there, face down, bludgeoned to death. Like Elle. I asked Harry for a freebie when we moved. Figured, well, we're here to help her sleep. New house, new community, new life, new mattress. And they're bloody good mattresses. I mean, I'm paid to sell them. But if we'd ended up going down the infomercial route, I would have done a customer testimonial myself. I hit that mattress and I'm out like a light. But Elle would spend every night just lying there, awake. So I thought I could try and use that. If she's one of those people, one of those people lying awake in a pool of imaginary blood, maybe I could make that work. Independent market research. Each morning, over breakfast, I'd try things like, I don't think he did it, you know, I think it was the neighbour. Or... I hear they weren't in that much pain when they died because the blows were softened by their mattresses, firm yet comfortable pillow-top cushioning. And she'd nod and take another gulp of coffee, then lie awake all night covered in blood. But today, I made a breakthrough. A woman in our community was murdered two nights ago, and last night, Elle slept through the night. For the first time since we moved, Elle slept through the night. So that's it. Harry has to change the story. Shank another inmate, attempt suicide in his cell, just anything to change the story. I phoned him today. He's allowed phone calls. I phoned him to tell him what I'd realised. And you know what he tells me? What the bastard just happened to let slip in court today? What every paper is going to publish tomorrow? What has effectively screwed any chance I had of saving his business? Of saving my own? The mattresses... The mattresses his family were found on, the mattresses they'd been sleeping on every night, they were from IKEA. They weren't even his.
1: I just think if we can afford it, I just think it's the right move to move. (laughs) Hell. Listen to me, the right move to move. But it is, it's the right move to
2: move. Do you want to talk about it?
1: I know we just moved and to move again would be a nightmare. I mean, we haven't even finished unpacking. But there's already three houses up for sale on our street alone. Not counting the house where it actually happened.
2: Because I'd like to talk about it.
1: And sure, we might stand to lose a bit of money since the community has that, 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 murder tarnish now, but...
2: All right, I froze. I froze and maybe that says something.
1: Better to lose a bit than to stay, cos who knows what's going to happen if the prices drop. So, if
2: we can afford it, I don't... If you want to draw something from that, then fine. I don't... I froze. That little shit. Steve, can we please just...
1: Peace. It's fine. It's over. It's done. Can we please
2: just... Just... Discuss this? That little
1: shit. Oh, can we have a few more minutes, please? We're still looking over the menu.
2: It all looks so tempting. It
1: really does.
2: They're probably still out there, milling around the car park. I should go find them. Just drop it, all right? Nice ass. Nice ass. Hey, nice ass. What did he... What was he hoping to achieve? Please. I should... I should. What? What should you do? I should hit him. There were three of them. Hit all of them. They looked like they could hit back. You don't think I could? think I'm some kind of... I used to get into fights, you know. When? Before I met you. Before. I I used to fight. (laughs) Sure. You don't... That back there was nothing. I... I could take them. I could. I could. What's that look for? What's that look meant to... (laughs) You don't think I could? You don't... When I was twenty-two, I broke three bones in my hand after some little shit called me a poofter. Face like a Picasso by the time I'd finished don't. with Don't three broken bones, but I felt good. I felt so bloody good. Just don't.
1: What? I. I like that you're gentle. I like that you have soft hands. I don't. When you proposed, I like that you crouched down on your haunches instead of getting onto bended knee because you didn't want to get your pants dirty.
2: They were new. And I said yes. I should go back there and find him. Make him apologise. You
1: don't have to do anything.
2: It's over. It...
1: It didn't bother me.
2: Elle, you were crying. Uh, no. Yes.
1: No, I was... <laughs> I wasn't crying.
2: Yes, you were crying and you looked at me. You looked at me and I could see that you wanted me to do something, to hurt him. But I didn't.
1: I wasn't crying. I froze.
2: Do you wish I was different? That I carried a gun and shot at anything that moved? I could have been a soldier. Do you wish I was a soldier? Then I could protect you, fight to protect you. We wouldn't have to run, wouldn't have to hide from people who want to kill us. We could track them down, storm their houses, bind their hands, cover their faces, make them kneel before us and blow their brains out.
1: (laughs) You'd ruin their pants. (laughs) Let's just go home. I'll rub lotion into your hands and kiss them and push them inside me and wrap my own soft hands around your cock. You can dress up in khaki and fuck me while we pretend we're in a war zone, protected by our soldiers guarding the gate and roaming the grounds, you fucking
2: me while bombs are going off. We should get more. More guards. Build our own army. Deploy them onto the streets. So when someone says something, like, tries to intimidate... Our soldiers can swoop in and cut out their tongues so that they can't. So we can walk around and the worst they can do is grunt. But they won't even grunt. They'll see us and know who we are. They'll fucking salute.
1: Why don't we... Why don't we move where they have more already? Where things aren't falling apart? Please, Steve. I love you. Yes.
2: You know that, right? I know that. I wish I could... I wish I could protect you.
1: We can't afford it, can we?
2: I wish I knew how to protect you. I'm sorry I froze.
1: Forget about dinner, let's just go home. Okay. And I... What? I do, you know, have a nice ass. You do. were out of milk I hadn't left home in days it had been over a week since I ventured outside the gates but we were out of milk strange leaving the house at first like I'd forgotten there even was an outside I moved down our street past gardens filled with weeds, lawns that need to be mowed since they lowered the strata fees the gardeners come less often, work less hard there's a for sale sign outside the house two doors down blind woman's house. It's been sold. The staircase. White tiles. Red. I keep walking. I reach the guardhouse, but it's empty. Back in ten. He should be protecting us. I move past the empty guardhouse and step outside. I turn left, then right, then left again. I twist and turn into dead-end streets, children are playing cricket. Their parents watch through the lounge room windows. I turn back onto a main-ish road. I head towards the strip of shops. I reach a corner store. I hesitate. I'm suspicious of any grocery store that lacks a fresh food section, but I'm here, and it's convenient, so I go in. Floor's sticky. There's a Chinese woman at the counter rapidly talking Mandarin into her phone. She's serving a customer, a skinny guy in an oversized t shirt. He's muttering to himself. He gestures to a pack of cigarettes. Without taking a breath from her conversation, she passes them to him and takes his coins. So many coins. She doesn't look down as he hands them to her. She flicks them into the cash register like she's dealing blackjack. I go to the fridge. I grab a carton of skim. I move to the counter. There's a beep from the doorway. A woman bursts in, parting the strips of orange plastic with her pram. She's panting loudly. Her baby is screaming against the loud, rapid mandarin. I turn away. She's spotted me looking at her. She wheels towards me. She stops right next to me. I can feel her there, the wheel of her pram nudging my foot. She starts barking into my ear bastard, the bloody bastardess. Last time, never again. Done with this. Can I borrow your phone? I need to borrow your phone. I don't have my phone on me. The words are frozen in my throat. Can I borrow some change instead? I have some on me, I do, but the words coming from my lips say I only have enough for the milk. I can feel her breath on my neck. She's staring at me at the milk in my hand. It's boiling. Her eyes are boiling it. I move to the counter, take out my purse, open it. Ah, so many coins. I extract the exact change slowly. Try not to make a sound. One coin. Two. Three. I lay the change out in front of me. I slide it across the countertop. I zip the coin pouch shut and squeeze my purse into silence. I take my milk and leave. I wind my way back home, back through the games of cricket. The children, they're aiming at my head. And the parents, they're sneering at me. I speed up. I get to the gate, the young guard. He's standing with a woman. She's holding a baby over her shoulder, bobbing him up and down. It's the woman from the shop. Did she follow me here? I watch from a distance, The guard nods at her. He lets her walk in. He just lets her inside. What is he doing? What the fuck are we paying him for? I walk to my house, casually throwing glances over my shoulder, just to check if she's... She is. She's following me. (sighs) The pram is wheeling towards me, gaining speed, gunning towards me. I reach my driveway. She's getting closer, gaining on me. She turns... She walks up the drive of the house two doors down. She fishes out some keys. She opens the door. She catches sight of me and pauses, looking at me strangely. Fingers fly in front of me. They're mine. I'm waving to her. How long have I been waving to her? She stares at me with dead eyes. She turns back to the house. She pushes the pram over the threshold. She wheels it in. She shuts the door behind her. Slam. The house, two doors down.
2: The house with the blind woman. Yes,
1: I've been watching it. Okay. Giving
2: me that look. Well, I'm not really. You've been watching the house. It's been sold. You said. You mentioned the woman who moved in there. I did. Yes. Okay.
1: There's this man.
2: Right. He comes
1: every day. Sometimes she lets him in. Normally she doesn't. Sometimes. Sometimes she calls the guards, has him taken away.
2: Right. How did you see this? What do you mean? From the window. Because you can't really... I mean, you can catch a glimpse, but you can't really see the house that well from the window.
1: Not the window, the road. Right. I was walking, I was walking up and down the road to make it look... They wouldn't have known. that. They'd have looked at me and thought, this woman is walking, just walking.
2: You were walking on the road?
1: Yes, no, not on the, the footpath. Right. I was walking up and back and each day this car, this man, he gets out and bangs on the door and each day that woman, she, 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 she changes, lets him in, calls the guards, does nothing, pretends she's not home, leaves him waiting for hours. Screams at him, kisses him, fucks him.
2: You watch them fucking?
1: No. No, but you can tell from the way she was kissing him as she let him in. From the way the baby was screaming, left, ignored, you can tell. Right. But today I... Today I... I, What? I needed to know. She let him inside. She doesn't do that very often and I needed to know. I needed to know what was happening. I went over to the front window, pressed my face to the glass. There's a crack between the window frame and the curtain and I can just see through, only... I think they saw me. L. can't be sure. There wasn't much to see. An eye, a nose. If they saw anything at all, they might not have known it was me. I was back home before they would have had a chance to check, but they looked at the window. They looked right at me. Steve, I... I... Hey, it's okay. It's all right. No, it's not. I saw inside. They weren't fucking. He was beating her.
2: Right. Right. It's okay.
1: All right? It, it, it's okay. But what if he saw me? What if she saw
2: me? I'm here. I, I can protect you. I can. I, I can. I can. Do Do something! I normally just jog along the lake. We call it a lake, but it's more of a, you know, artificial... It's an artificial lake. A fake lake. I jog along on concrete, one of the virtues of controlled nature, and I get into my zone. I'm in Borneo. I'm jogging along a stretch of rainforest and there are natives watching me from the trees, fascinated by me because they can see me running, see my form and can't quite compute how I could be human. I must be some sort of god or alien. It's hard to keep this up. I feel the concrete beneath me. See another jogger running the other way, struggling through a polite nod, his shoulders rising, dipping with his head. Another jogger overtakes me. That pulls me right out. I slow down to a walk. They're not overtaking. I'm letting them pass. I sit for a bit by the fake lake. I'm on a beach. When the jogger's out of sight... I'm back and I'm running through Borneo. I turn back onto my street. Normally that's it, but my legs are still moving. I'm jogging up and down my street. For a second I'm back in high school, running the beep test. I increase my speed with each lap. I catch glimpses through the window of the woman, two doors down. Reading, stretching, feeding her baby. Each scene different from the last. A silent film shot just for me. I slow down. There's a car parked outside the house, two doors down. An old beat-up Monaro. There's a man sitting in the passenger seat. He's staring at me, shaved head. A trail of ink running down his left shoulder. He spots me looking at him. I make out I'm looking in that general area, not really at him. Just around, you know. I pick up my pace again, like I was before, pretending I never slowed down. He gets out of the car and leans against it watching me. He's smiling, just smiling. I can't pretend I haven't seen him, he's right there. I politely nod to him, my head and shoulders dipping with fatigue. I run past him and as I do he chants softly, go, go, go. I run past him again and he keeps getting louder, go, go, go. Go go, 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 go 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 go. I stop at the end of the street. There's a bench there. It's one of the benefits of living here. There's a bench every three meters, so I sit. I turn back. He's still there, smiling at me, giving me the thumbs up with both hands. I should run back past him I should call the guards, throw him out myself run over there and punch him in the face smash my fist through his car window only I can't move I can't even look at him I stare resolutely in the opposite direction as if I'm contemplating the rest of my run like seven lengths up and down my street is just part of a very elaborate jogging route I sit there for a good ten minutes contemplating catching my breath and then I go for it I just follow the direction of my gaze and run I'm weightless. I've transcended human limitations of pain and fatigue and I am pure flight. I am a rainforest god from Jupiter. It's almost funny that I was so frightened by nothing. When I round the bend back into my own street, I'm smiling. So is he. He's still leaning against the car. I cling to my lightness. I cling to my godliness. I will not be intimidated. He can smile all he wants. I feel great, and I'm smiling too. The closer I get, the less true this becomes. My body returns to Earth so heavy, so sore. I'm aching, and my smile has gone. But his smile is so wide, so I go inside the house. I lean against the door, my vision's blurring. I have to look back through the window to see him one more time. I peer through. He's standing in my driveway. He raises his hands and he gives me a round of applause. Smiling. Smiling. We were washing the car together, Elle and I.
1: Steve wanted help washing the car. I'm good with the hose and it's, it's nice, nice washing together.
2: Doing this together. It's, it's nice, nice to, to do, do things, things together. together. I'm soaping up the left door. I'm
1: blasting suds from the bonnet and... The car, the car pulls up.
2: up. beat-up Monaro.
1: Outside the house. Two, two doors, doors down, down. He gets, gets out.
2: out. That man. Shaved head. A trail of ink running down his left shoulder.
1: That man. He,
2: he gets, gets out.
1: And approaches the house.
2: Bangs on the door and... That woman. Comes out. That woman comes out. And starts yelling at him. Screaming. Abuse. abuse. I don't know where to look. I look away. We didn't mean to be here. Just focus on the hose, just washing our car. Just minding our own business. Together. together. They've seen us.
1: Only they, they think, think we're, we're watching, watching them.
2: them. They start yelling at us.
1: They see us and start yelling at us.
2: Together. together. The car dripping with sun.
1: I've dropped the hose. The lawn is saturated.
2: And we're yelling back.
1: We're yelling abuse.
2: Abuse at them. Together. Together. We're
1: all screaming abuse Abuse. together. Together. And the lawn is wet. And the car is dripping with soap. Her eyes are swollen.
2: His knuckles are red. And And we're we're yelling yelling abuse together. together.
1: That woman barking at me.
2: That man smiling as he yells.
1: Her eyes are swollen.
2: His knuckles are red.
1: And they scream as they retreat. Retreat. Together. Together.
2: Into Into the the house. Two two doors doors down,
1: down. Slam.
2: And we're... And we're... And we're left there. And we're standing there. The grass turned to mud. And we're standing there. Soap suds dripping from the car door. And our neighbours have lined the street, watching.
1: And our neighbours are staring at us. Us. Like we were the ones yelling. Like, like we, we started. started it. Like we're the problem. And it's like...
2: It's like... Like, like, like... And it's like... We're, we're the, the only, only ones who, who can see that woman. That man. That That house. house.
1: Like we're the only ones who can see.
2: We can see it all so clearly. The The problem. problem. Us. We We can can see see the problem. Together. Together. Clearly. Clearly. Slam!
1: Sorry, can we try
2: over here? I
1: just think it would look nice in front of the pennies,
2: Yes, that would look nice. Right. Were you ready? Great. It was ten o'clock when we heard it. A sort of wailing. We didn't notice at first. This alarm. It just didn't register. But when it didn't stop... When the noise didn't stop. We heard it. We heard it and felt this... Alarm. We did. We felt this alarm. It it ripped through our bodies. His and mine. Mine and hers. Pulsing. Wretching. writhing through our bodies. We crawled out onto the street. All of us, everyone. Out onto the street. Standing there, watching the house, waiting. Waiting for the noise to stop. We didn't know what it meant, this noise. It meant something was wrong, sure. We knew. It, it, It had been so long since we'd heard. But instinctively, you just know. You just feel it.
1: Loud noise means something bad is
2: going to happen. Or is happening. We knew that, yes. We, we knew this is not good, but we didn't know... We didn't know what to do. Do we call someone? Do we tell the guards? But surely they'd know already. They'd have heard. And if it's making this much noise, if the system is set up to make this much noise to draw us all out of our shells, to stand around listening to it, then surely it reports back somewhere... Surely it reports back to some server that says something bad is happening. And then that server would send someone. Someone equipped to deal with these sorts of things. Whatever this sort of thing was. Bad. People equipped to deal with bad sorts of things. And then we noticed...
1: It wasn't until we'd been standing there for a few moments wondering when someone would arrive who knew how to deal with bad sorts of things that we noticed. The smell. It was like burning.
2: And the smoke was...
1: Wafting from the house.
2: Two doors down.
1: A townhouse like ours, slightly garish but not tacky. No, not tacky. Tack is prohibited within the walls.
2: Smoking. Burning. We didn't know that yet. We just knew that it was smoking. But the smell. Well, yes, but, but it wasn't till later... Right. It wasn't until later that we learned that... It was burning. Right. At this point, we just knew about the smell. Right. And the smoke. Right. But later, we learned what it meant that the house two doors down was on fire. But there was no one rushing in and out. No one yelling for help. No
1: one screaming. Just the smoke. They say it was the smoke that did it. That smoke inhalation must have caused them all to pass out so they didn't hear the noise. The alarm. Warning them to get out. And we didn't know. None of us knew what the noise meant, hadn't pieced it together. Someone, I'm sure, someone would have tried to help if we knew. We would have rushed in there straight away if one of us had known what was
2: happening, known what to do. But it all happened so fast. The noise, then the smell, then the smoke, and before we knew it... Uh, The microwave was beeping and we had to... We had to go back inside. To check it. Because we had this reflex now. Big noise equals trouble. And we couldn't just leave it. Beeping every ten seconds. We had to go take care of it.
1: And then dessert was ready. And we forgot. And we forgot about the noise. And the smell. And the smoke. And
2: we ate. Just leftovers. And not just. Leftover sticky date pudding. Well, yes. It was bloody good. It was very good. It was.
1: We didn't remember till we came out this morning and the house was devastated. Destroyed. The fire contained. Thank
2: God. But
1: the house Destroyed. Some people are saying, though... Thank God. It was deliberate. Thank God. And that they were already dead before... Love. Before the fire. Love. That someone snuck in there before it started, before they started it. Love. Some people say that someone snuck in there with some big fuck-off heavy... Love. ...while they were asleep, just lying there, just bludgeoned the fucking... ...just lying in bed like some stupid fucking...
2: Rubbish. Yes.
1: They were well liked.
2: Well loved.
1: Pillars of the community.
2: You never met two nicer people.
1: Are we done? Mm.
0: You've been listening to Podplay, a Theatre Republic production. Podplay was recorded on Ghana Land and is supported by the Department of Premier and Cabinet through Arts SA. Podplay is directed by Corey McMahon, produced by Amanda Flett, with sound design, composition, and editing by James Oborn.